Hey, everybody, it's Jerry here. And before we go on to listen to my conversation with Benny, the legendary Benny Luo of Next Shark, I want to share with you another Asian American owned business, and it is Koba, C O B A, which is short for the coffee bar. The coffee bar is a small startup based in the Bay Area, started by seven recent UC Berkeley grads and current students. And while they were students, uh, they knew that coffee was a source of life for them, but they often couldn't find the time to go grab a cup of coffee when they needed it the most. So they created Koba. Koba is initially a coffee chocolate, and each bar has the equivalent caffeine of about a cup of coffee. It's convenient, portable, and affordable form of coffee that you can enjoy anytime, anywhere. You can go get Koba. And they're doing some giveaways and some really amazing things at their website. So visit them at coba.coffee. That's C-O-B-A dot coffee to learn more. And find us on Instagram where we'll be doing a Koba giveaway underneath the Benny Luo post. Thanks again for listening to Dear Asian Americans. And here now is my conversation with Benny. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dear Asian Americans. I am your host, Jerry Wan. And the face that you see right next to me is somebody that I've been so, so, so excited to uh, have this conversation with. Um, you may not know his face, you may not know his name, but we have certainly seen his work, his passion. There are a number of different brands. Uh, the biggest name that Benny is associated with now is Next Shark, which is a media company that we all rely on for Asian stories, uh, positive Asian stories all around the world. Um, it is an interesting time to be in the media business as an Asian American, um, as the voice of global Asians as Next Shark is. And so uh, we want a little bit. We want to learn a little bit about Benny, what where he's from, what his background is, what motivated him uh, to start a media company in the Asian space, what he saw that was missing in the landscape, and then of course we're going to talk plenty about uh, the stuff that's going on, um, some amazing work, some really challenging yet amazingly helpful work that Benny and his team are doing, both in the podcast, in the Facebook, and the domains, uh, the internet domain. Uh, to help us get through all this shit. Um, and I promised my wife I wouldn't curse on the show, but it is pretty, pretty shitty. So, um, hey, Benny, thanks for making time to uh, join us on the show. Yeah, thank you for uh, having me. And uh, Jerry, uh, you know, I know, thank you for the props, but I got to give respect and props to you as well. I mean, what you're doing with this podcast is, uh, I believe, just as important. And I think that, you know, I'm very grateful for, you know, people like you in the community who are, you know, really uh, just trying to speak up and offering, you know, your valuable time to, you know, get things, you know, get uh, something like this done, which I think it's going to be a, a very positive thing for our community. Thanks, man. You know, um, you and I were just talking right before we started recording. Um, and if you're watching this video, yeah, like Benny and I are, are twins today. Um, unintentional. You know, I, I didn't intend on starting this right before all this stuff happened, right? Um, I, I had a format. I had a guest list I wanted to get through. There were some people. Um, you were on the original list of people I wanted to talk to, obviously. Um, change makers and community uh, helpers in, in and around our world. Um, and about week two, you know, things started to get serious. Um, and then week three, it got really serious with all the racism and, and just sort of the unfortunate effects of uh, small business community and all that. So um, you, you and I, I think, and then so many others out there, uh, we've had to completely pivot away from what we had wanted to do um, in a perfect normal world. Um, so yeah, it, it takes a village. Um, it's the one thing that I think you and I, I certainly, I have realized is there's so many stories to tell. Um, in this moment of pain, suffering, but also positive messages of support. And um, we can't get through it all, but um, 
heck, we're stuck at home, so why not flip on the microphone and you know uh, tell some stories? Um, so ben, Benny, tell us about Benny in the early years. Uh, where'd you grow up? What did you want to be when you were you know growing up? And um, yeah, tell us about the early years. I was born to uh, Chinese immigrants that came here to San Francisco in uh, uh, the mid 1980s. Um, I was born and raised in San Francisco. Um, you know, uh, my mom was one of those moms that were, uh, you know, very, very strong-willed. Uh, she came from mainland China, um, you know, to kind of escape the whole, like, you know, cultural communist revolution and everything. Uh, she actually was one of the people that swam from, you know, uh, mainland China all the way to Hong Kong. And wow. uh, she had to, uh, I think, I believe she got caught the first two times and had to uh, spend some time in jail. And uh, she was able to, uh, you know, make it the third try and, you know, go to Hong Kong as like a refugee and ultimately, you know, immigrate here and, you know, make America her home. And um, I, I grew up in a very uh, traditional uh, Chinese household. Um, I think that um, not just Chinese, I think um, a lot of Asian parents can relate to it. Um, my parents expected me to do really well, uh, you know, academically. Uh, they expected me to be a doctor, a lawyer, but... Um, academics were never uh, my strong suit. Uh, in fact, I mean, you know, up until I think high school, um, I was actually put in special ed uh, programs. Um, and uh, I was always uh, on the verge of uh, flunking um, a certain school year. And so every te parent-teacher conference towards the end of the year will be the same conversation where, you know, there was a small chance that I could be, you know, held back just because I had fallen so behind with my classmates. And uh, for some reason, I always pull through just barely. And, um, you know, uh, I, I think that um, myself uh, definitely went through a lot of struggles academically. And um, I think even in the diverse area in the Bay Area, um, I went through a lot of moments of, you know, kind of racism and discrimination myself, whether it was in school or whether it was in public. I mean, whether... Uh, you know, people at lunch, like calling me like a dog eater or, you know, a chink or, you know, calling me Chinatown or something to, you know, being at the movie theaters. And this is a very real incident that happened. I mean, you know, I, I remember um, my first like public uh, experience with uh, racism was, you know, I was just having uh, watching a movie with my friends in middle school. And I had walked by what I thought was like a nice old couple. And as I walked by him, the guy was like, oh, you know, you know, you, you fucking Chinaman. Sorry, I don't know if I can cuss, but you know. Please do. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, wow, that's, that's, that's so interesting. I didn't do anything to this person. And, you mm -hmm. know, suddenly like, you know, why, why did this person feel the need to insult me, right? The whole concept of being Asian and being proud to be Asian is something that uh, I held very close to me, especially in high school, because um, you know, I really wanted to kind of defend myself. I mean, I wanted to stand up to all these things that were that were kind of happening to me. And so I, I consumed a lot of Asian content uh, growing up. I was really into the whole ASEAN Asian pride phase because that was really big in the Bay Area uh, at the time. Um, and so I I was always passionate in it, but I never thought that it would be, you know, a business that I was able to, that I'd be able to develop, right? Um, but I, I would say... Um, Getting into UC Irvine, I moved. I moved to Orange County, Southern California, in 2006 to you know go to UC Irvine, and uh, I always joke that um, I chose that. I chose UC Irvine because it was uh, one of the few schools that that accepted me at the time, uh, because <laughs> I was so like you know not very academically you know that good. But you know now UC Irvine is a top UC, so you know I, I would say that uh, I got into it at the right time. I made my investment, <laughs> you know, and I got re really good ROI from it, you know. Now. 
But um, yeah, I mean, in, in, in college, uh, it was the same amount of thing. I, I struggled academically. Um, you know, I, th I always say that I graduated with uh, whatever the bare minimum it was to graduate. That was my bare minimum that I met somehow. Um, so I, I was just basically working throughout college. Um, I worked four jobs my freshman year at, uh, at one point. Um, I worked uh, as a uh, campus note taker for people who were struggling with disabilities. I, was, uh, I worked for Dell Computers as a Dell campus rep to market uh, Dell Computers and Campus. I, use, I also used that time to uh, you know, work at the UCI Computer Store too, where I would deliver uh, computers to students and faculty members all across campus. I drove this big uh, anteater truck at the time. And the fourth job that I had was actually working for Andrew Yang for uh, the Manhattan GMAT. I was a marketing mm -hmm. associate for him. So um, you know, I knew, I think early on that I couldn't really succeed academically, but I think that you know, the least I could do is just get as much work experience as I can. Uh, so that I had time when I graduated. So what, what did you do right after school? Because it wasn't starting Next Shark. You, you had a number of different you know, ideas and you were a professional poker player for a little while. I wouldn't say professional. I mean, I think that I, uh, I, I was an active player online. Um, you know, I was one of those people that would, you know, I, I would play up to 24 tables at, at, at one time, but I would, I was not, I was nowhere near like a very, like, you know, like a super lucratively successful player. Like I made enough <laughs> to buy my first car. Let's put it that way. That's, you know, that's be better than most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so as you were navigating college life and early career life, I guess it sounds like what I'm hearing is you sort of knew that you wanted to, you knew that you would eventually end up taking a non-academic path to success because it wasn't just, you know, something that you enjoyed, whether or not you were good at it, you know, you just didn't feel that that was a, a sense. Did you get much pressure from your parents, if at all, about trying to continue to beat that horse and, and continue down that path? Or were they just, you know, accepting and encouraging of you something or of you doing something creative and unique? I think my parents just gave up on me uh, as time went on. I mean, you know, they could tell that I wasn't really, they, they weren't really sure what I was going to be. I mean, I would, I would tell them things here and there. And, and, you know, I was a psychology major and, you know, how what I would make them feel better was like, hey, uh, you know, psychology, I could maybe get a PhD and get a doctor title or something. <laughs> and that's kind of how they're, and I, th I think you mentioned they kind of just, you know, just let me kind of do my thing, but they didn't really knew what I was doing, nor did they really kind of support it. They just knew that I, would, I was struggling a lot, right? But I think I had, um, you know, this growing need to be as independent as possible. And, you know, for me, like my motto was like, hey, I'm just not going to try to trouble my parents as, as little as possible. That, that was just pretty much like, and then that's why I worked so hard, uh, you know, starting my freshman year, because I didn't want to depend on them. And I didn't really want to be that sort of, uh, sort of a burden to them, if that made sense. And so um, I think they didn't really take seriously or really understand what I was doing. I think until like I made the 430 under 30 list in 2018. And I think that's when they were like, oh, wow, like he's actually, you know, he seems like he's doing something really, you know, meaningful, right? And, you know, I was getting all this press written about me. And I think it wasn't legit until, you know, I got featured on like Chinese news, right? And I think when, you know, you're Korean, with Koreans, <laughs> it's the same thing. You know, I think I heard from other people where it's like, yeah, my, my parents didn't really care what I did until I went, I got on Korean news or I got on Asian news of some sort, right? It's so. not real until you make some page of the Korea Times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And exactly. then they tell you weird stuff like, oh, I knew it all along. And, you know, all, yeah. all the church moms chime in, but nothing until then. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really funny. And, uh, <laughs> You know, it's uh, it's interesting because I think that my mom, 
uh, I feel I feel bad for her a little bit because like, you know, she was a part of this like really high achieving group of Asian moms, like her colleagues and everything. All right. And, and all of them would always like brag about like her son getting into this school and that school and, you know, how successful they are academically. And my mom would be the one that had to kind of remain quiet because she didn't really know there was nothing for her to really brag about me. But nowadays, like it's funny because those exact same like moms are asking my mom like, hey, do you think uh, is it OK if my son passes his resume over to you, know, <laughs> you or anything or if you can make some introductions and so you know I, I feel that my mom got the last laugh at the end of the day so at least I, I was able to give her that gift if anything sure I, I think it's a testament to creatives who we as a community and it's not just our parents our peers do the same thing you know you don't you don't support your musician your creative your entrepreneurial friends through their struggle because you're going to grad school you have a fancy job but when they do make it you're like oh man brother I, I knew all along or you know now I want to come work for you or you hear too many of those stories where the journey is not certainly as appreciated as the rewards that come with the, the perception of, of being successful. Tell me about the earlier years of Next Shark. Why the idea of um, what was this the first Asian American media thing that you tried and um, give us a little bit of context on the name, too, because it's, it's not a very Asian or Asian American name to begin with. Yeah. I think that for me, I, I, I always, my life has always been very, very organic. And I've never really, um, even though I set goals for myself, right? Like, for example, maybe I've, I'm like, oh, I want this career or I want to have X amount of money in my bank account by, by, by this year. But as I grew older, um, I, I, think, I think deep down the way I, art, I articulate it is that, you know, I think that I'm a type of person that really needs to have like meaning in the work that I do. Otherwise, mm -hmm. like, I don't think I'm going to really give like my full efforts into it. Um, you know, I did start um, a um, Asian focused blog like a long time ago, I think like maybe 2009, 2010 with two of my friends, uh, Melly Lee and Julie Zahn. Uh, Melly is, uh, you know, a, a prominent photographer in the Asian American space. Uh, I also, you know, uh, have done a lot of projects with her. Um, you know, she's a, you know, she's a partner at, at Next Shark as well. And then Julie is a very seasoned, you know, actress now um, that's been, you know, doing really, really well. And we made we started this blog called theotheragents.com back then and that was basically just focused on uh, profiling Asian Americans that were in non-stereotypical careers and mm. naturally we featured a lot of entrepreneurs a lot right. of YouTubers and a lot of uh, you know influencers online at the time um, and it did pretty well I mean but we never we didn't really look at it as uh, a business venture it was just more like something that we wanted to you know just provide for the community and mm. uh, we never thought that we could build a business off of you know Asian American space or anything like that. And so through those networks that I built up, I met a lot of YouTubers. Um, I started my first company, which was newmediarockstars.com back in the end right. of 2011. And uh, we became the number one uh, publication focused on covering digital celebrities and online celebrities. So not Asian focused at all, but very, but we were very, very much on the cusp and on the cutting edge of, um, you know, following the rise of digital entertainment, the rise of, you know, platforms like Netflix, YouTube, and uh, Hulu, right? Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it did pretty well, I would say, to say the least. Um, I sold that company in 2013. And from there, I, uh, I took about like, you know, a couple thousand dollars and I started NextShark. And the reason I started that was, um, at the time, I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do next. Um, I, I had a, kind of like a passion for entrepreneurship and business, but I always noticed that a lot of business sites were more targeted towards the older audience. And I wanted something that was a little bit more fresh, more, more uh, contemporary and more targeted towards a younger demographic. And so Next Shark at the time started off as a site on business and success targeting millennials. And 
Shark comes from my background in poker. Um, if you look at, let's say, people like Tony Shea, entrepreneurs, um, a lot of them will talk about, you know, they play poker, they like poker, and the philosophy of poker has kind of helped, um, you know, figure out how they make their own business decisions or their outlook on life, right? And so shark comes from being a poker shark where, you know, we have a term called either you're a shark or a fish. A fish is the ones that you kind of like take advantage of, like in the poker table, and a shark is someone who is, you know, very, you know, uh, aware of everything that's kind of going on around them. And then next comes to signify kind of the youth. So uh, we did that, I would say for about like two years. Um, we started uh, at the end of 2013 and uh, towards um, maybe a few months before the Olympics uh, in 2016, the Rio Olympics, um, uh, we started seeing something interesting. And in, in the fact that a lot of times whenever we focused um, an article, let's say on an Asian face, or we profiled like uh, an entrepreneur, an Asian entrepreneur, or uh, we cover technology happening in Asia, we saw like an uptick in engagement. And it was very, very apparent to us as we were analyzing the data. And we were like, hey, this is pretty interesting. Why don't we, you know, uh, try to do more of this, you know, and uh, I did have a friend, uh, his name is Ben Parr, who was the ex editor in uh, editor at large over at Mashable. And he's also a VC himself. Um, you know, he's also uh, Asian American himself. And, you know, he kind of, uh, you know, I remember having lunch with them and he was like, hey, if you guys are, you know, doing so well on you know, the Asian side, you should definitely, you know, maybe uh, push towards it. And so he was one of the early people that kind of like, you know, made a push for it. But at the time, I still really wasn't like making that shift. Like, I feel like for me, um, sometimes like when I have a focus, like I kind of want to just keep focusing on it. I didn't really think about, you know, trying to stray away too much on what the vision was. But you know, over time we were like, you know what, let's just give it a shot. And so we started showing more Asian faces who were successful in business. And from then on, we saw engagement and traffic grow. Uh, and when the Olympics started happening, we started getting a lot of DMs asking people to, asking us to cover a lot of these Asian athletes that were competing in the Olympics because there wasn't that much representation. And so we were apprehensive at first, hesitant at first, because we feel that, hey, like, it doesn't really like match what we're doing. I mean, we're focusing a lot of business already. and right covering sports, we're not exactly sure. But you know what, we just said, you know, screw it, why don't we just try it? And, you know, uh, we did it. And uh, our coverage was, was got so much like awareness and so much engagement. I mean, little things like, um, uh, how do you say it? Um, even simple news like Vietnam winning the first Olympic gold medal. I mean, we didn't break that news. It was a report of, a, of multiple reports already. Um, you know, that managed to get like, I would say over half a million uh, views within less than 24 hours. Wow. Um, and uh, I remember there were some data sites, public data sites that would rank kind of like articles that had the highest engagement on a specific topic. And I remember, you know, our coverage, even though we were not like the main source for it, we were citing other mainstream sources for it. Uh, you know, our coverage was like number three across Facebook, you know, in terms of engagement and, you know, uh, and uh, I guess shareability in the platform. So that's when the pivot started happening. When did you guys start focusing on what was the reason or the motivation point for reporting your own stuff rather than synthesizing existing information like this Vietnam winning their first medal? You know, you were synthesizing other things and putting our own Asian, Asian American filter and angle on things. And I don't know, I don't remember exactly when, but you started writing your own things and started doing your own reporting. Um, that takes more money, more time, more people. How was that decision made? And was that intentional with a certain angle or a goal towards that? No, not necessarily. I mean, I think that, again, like, I think for me, I feel like I've always been kind of fighting myself, 
you know, even, even at this company, I mean, I think that I still am lightly fighting myself still in a sense where, you know, uh, I, I'm wondering, hey, uh, you know, is this the direction that we should go? I mean, because I think that, um, and, and this is like early on before, like, um, you know, we became like the largest Asian American site, like, you know, I'm looking at it as like, hey, is this the right business decision to make? Because at the end of the day, we also have like people that we employ, right? And we have to make sure that we're making the right decisions for the company, you know, and it's great what we're doing. And I'm really passionate in it. But at the same time, we still need to build a business in order for us to continue doing what we do best. Right. But I think it was a natural progress. I mean, you know, we get we kept getting more DMs. And when we were covering sports, uh, we weren't really covering too much about activism. But uh, we started getting more and more DMs of people asking us, hey, like uh, crimes against Asian Americans are some of the most underreported. And I think that. Uh, what really brought us over the edge was, um, I think, a pro I think maybe in 2017, uh, you remember the whole Dr. Dow scenario where yeah. a Vietnamese American doctor was dragged off a United yeah. Airlines flight. Airlines, yep. Yeah. And uh, again, it was the same thing. I mean, we weren't the first people to report on it, but a lot of people were asking us to report on it. And you know what we did? And uh, it completely blew up. I mean, same, same data, same data company. I think we were ranked three or four uh, throughout all of Facebook on a report that wasn't even something that we broke. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, that one, like our, our coverage for that, that, I mean, to this day, I think it totals over like, you know, five, uh, five to seven million uh, views, across, impressions across yeah. like, you know, all our, our coverage from it. Right. And, um, and that has been very, uh, and I think from there, we were like, you know what, like, we should definitely pay more attention to this because like, you know, it seems like we're building quite a big following surrounding the subject, you know, and, you know, I've always been, you know, passionate about this issue. And, you know, for me, you know, I don't care at that point where, whether, you know, we're, we're making a crap load of money off of this or not. It's one of those things where it's like, look, is this self-sustainable, you know, does this help, you know, employ um, Asian Americans or people uh, passionate in Asian American issues and rights and to give them jobs to, uh, to be able to, you know, survive on, you know, reporting news like this to inform the community. You know, I think that um, that became much more meaningful to me. And uh, so even today, I mean, we're not exactly sure like where, you know, where everything ends. All we know is like, you know, we focus on listening to the community as much as possible. We focus on trying to, um, uh, stay on top of what's happening in our community as much as possible. And, um, wherever this ends is wherever this really ends. Right. And, uh, we just, uh, you know, are appreciative of the community support and, uh, we just want to do the best we can. If that makes sense. Speaking of the community, um, you, you cover broadly all Asians across the world or Asian Americans, so does my show. And, you know, a, th a thing that I've struggled with, continue to struggle with, um, would love to get your take on that is, what do you cover, you know, from a topic perspective, uh, from a country perspective, language, you know, you can't go everywhere that people ask you to go. Um, we'll, we'll bring this topic up again when we talk about actual current events or, you know, actual happening things that you actually shared about on, you know, on your Facebook wall um, today or yesterday, but, but in general, you know, you, you don't, as a media and as a news source um, or as a storyteller, you don't want to be reactionary to your audience and jumping in all sorts of different directions. Um, yet, if you, you know, as you and I do, we want to be representative and be inclusive of everybody who identifies as Asian, Asian American. Um, how, how do you at the leadership level decide 
you know, some stories to pick up, some stories that are better left untold, or, you know, because this is an entire community effort, maybe there's somebody else from a different site or a different voice that is better equipped to do that. Because um, I can't imagine the things that you get asked to cover in your inbox from just about, you know, the, the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, you know, who, who feel like, you know, hey, I'm going to send Benny a DM and get an article for the one thing that I care about. Right. You know, it's, uh, it's interesting. I mean, we get so many like DMs and we get so many uh, emails a day, right? And for us, um, it's not so much that, um, you know, what we can and cannot cover. A lot of the times is, and this is a, it, this obviously this is kind of like a good problem to have like as well in a, you know, for us as a business in a sense, right? Is that we get, um, we just get so much, so much coverage and we still have a very, very small like team here. And so unfortunately we kind of have to pick and choose, but I think we kind of just look at what the community is talking about and what is like really, um, what is really important to them right now. And so obviously like we look at kind of like volume from different types of people, like the seriousness of the topic, you know, Mm -hmm. is there any like, you know, sort of proof to verify that this sort of incident uh, occurred and everything. And so um, I think that it's just more so being as careful as possible and, um, and, you know, the bad part is we can't cover everything. And of course, like there's, I think that there's been tons of important news that just because like, you know, we just didn't have time to cover. We didn't have the resources to cover. And, um, you know, and it's kind of a double-edged sword because like the question is, well, why don't you just hire more people? He's like, well, the thing is like, you know, we're a bootstrap startup, right? And uh, we, we run on, we run this company on no outside funding, no business loans and everything. And the fact that we're here today is because we've been so smart with and so lean and so smart on our finances. You know, we don't spend money on frivolous things that we don't think that, you know, on luxuries that, you know, we don't think it's going to have some sort of ROI for us. Right. I, I very, um, you know, I, I live very, very minimalistically, um, you know, for, for myself. And, um, and I think that, um, you know, being frugal, and uh, being smart with our finances is how we've been able to kind of, you know, sustain ourselves as we, you know, go forward. But, you know, I think that there's so many more stories to be told. And my only hope is that as we keep growing and as the ad dollars for Asian Americans come in bigger, we can start covering more news here and there. And, you know, because the Asian community is big. I mean, it's not just like, you know, you know, Koreans, Chinese, like there's, there's, there's Indians, there's South Asians, there's so many people that, that, you know, that have, different types of, uh, you know, cultures and, and identities that make up our diaspora, right? So I think that my only hope is that, you know, we can keep growing and employ like more and more people and to tell more diverse stories of, you know, Asian American Pacific Islanders and beyond that too. I, I think it's cool. And, you know, you're, you're not an all news site, right? Like you post fun stuff, you post heartwarming stuff. Um, you have a series of, you know, idiots spent X dollars eating something. And it's usually you who overspent on eating some delicacy and you, and you live to tell about it. So, you know, I, I think you've hit a very perfect balance and perfect, you know, uh, niche of fun, levity, you know, lighthearted humor, but you know, all, all the themes that really bring us together and that we can relate to. Um, so be, before we talk about, you know, the, the last couple of weeks, um, I, I want to, if, if you could share a message to maybe some of our younger listeners who want to get into media, right? It's media's hot podcasts or everything is popular, right? And um, people are stuck at home. So like TikTok's blowing up and all these things. You have taken deliberately a very different contrarian approach to starting a media company, which does not Im- did not involve taking outside money, did not involve grow and scale at all costs. 
but rather the other traditional way of fiscal discipline grow slowly and organically and be profitable. Um, what would you say to our younger friends or even you know our peers um, in our age demographic that want to get into media now or you know want to jump on some sort of trend? Yeah, I think that that's a good that's a good question. I think it doesn't just relate to people in media, and I think that um, I get this question a lot in the form of like you know if I want to do something, you know what do I you know where do I start, right? And I think that you know my always my advice has always been if it's something you're passionate in, then you just do it, right? I mean, you don't need anybody else to really help to, to really, I mean, yeah, you do need help, but ultimately, I mean, if it's something you're passionate in, I mean, you do, you do it by any means necessary. Right. And on top of that, I think that you're always going to find reasons for things that you can't, that you shouldn't do something, whether it's, Oh, I don't have money. I don't have support or I'm just one person. Right. right. Um, or I'm afraid to fail. That's really the main thing. I'm afraid to fail. So I need to save face. And so I think that what people forget is that before you succeed, you have to fail first. Right. And that's a very, and that, that's a concept that's not for that. That's not foreign. That's not a new concept. Right. Uh-huh. And so I think that, um, whatever venture that you want to get into, I mean, if you think that this is something that, um, you should pursue, then just, just, just get a lunch. I mean, either two things can happen, either it's going to be a success or it's going to be a lesson. Right. Mm-hmm. So you gain, you gain from it and yeah. you know, one way or another, right. Depending on how you look at it. Right. Really, what do you have to lose? To be honest, I mean, myself i mean look at look at me right i mean i was uh i i you know i almost flunked out of school so many times i i don't consider myself a very intelligent person to be honest um you know uh i i don't consider myself as smarter than you know any of my other entrepreneur or leadership peers right i'm just a normal person that set out to you know try to do something and you know and listen and you know learn from my mistakes as I continue going and I'm still learning from my mistakes. And I look at it as, like you said, at the end of the day, it's really about the journey, right? Because at the end of the day, even when you do reach the finish line, right, whatever your finish line is, that moment of glory only lasts very temporarily. I mean, you know, I'll give you a real life example. I mean, you know, uh, for me, I think that um, when I made the Forbes 30 on 30 list, right? I mean, it's harder to get into that list than they say Harvard and, you know, Stanford put together or whatever that may be. Right. That moment was just lasted for maybe like a day. It was great or whatever. But, you know, for the most part, I was thinking about how hard it took to, to get to this point, how much sacrifices my team had to make for, to get to this point. Right. And so, um, you know, speaking in the name of, you know, Kobe Bryant, right. I mean, it's, it's about the journey, not the, you know, not the finish line. Right. So um, that's the philosophy that um, I live with. And that's the philosophy that I think I want to impart on the people who work with me and also to um, to all the listeners that are out there, too. When is that proverbial finish line for NetShark? That's a good question. And so for me is like, um, I don't I don't I don't know where the finish line is. I'm just I'm just. uh, I'm just doing my best to enjoy the view and the scenery around me and to appreciate the things that are around me, good and bad as the way I'm going to get there. And I don't think that you need to know what the finish line is. Right. And to go even deeper, I mean, look at companies, right. Let's say from the perspective of entrepreneurship, 
that have lasted for, let's say, you know, decades, 50 to 100 years. There's, there's a lot of companies out there that, that are very different from what they were before, right? Look at Lamborghini, for example, right? Lamborghini was a tractor company. Now they're an exotic car company, you know, from tractor company, from a very, very different market uh, to now a tractor company dealing with, you know, more high-end, you know, workers and whatnot, right? And a lot of these companies that are out there, they had to adapt based on, you know, what was around them and the nature, you know, kind of around them, right? And so I look at Next Shark in the same in the same way, right? And I think that I can say that because we don't have any investors. And that's the downside, I, I, in my opinion, to taking investors, because when you take in investors, you have to, um, you know, give them an ROI and an X amount of time, mm-hmm. right? For me, all I got to make sure is that I keep my workers happy and that, you know, they, they, they like to continue working here. And I feel that, pleasing, uh, you know, making sure that my workers are taken care of is much more, you know, valuable down the line than, you know, than trying to please somebody that's just looking for an ROI at the end of the day, down to a monetary thing. Right. And, you know, and that's actually one of the main reasons why I, you know, there's a lot of people that want to invest in extra. There's a lot I've, I've, but I need the right people. You know, your, your goal has to be, you know, if your goal is like, oh my God, like, you know, Next Shark is the biggest like publication and Asians are growing, we're going to make so much money. That's not the type of person that I want. The type of person I want on my team is like, yeah, I want business savvy people that are going to scale our company up, but I also want the types of people that are going to be like, look, like this is going to really help our community down the line. And my ROI is also, you know, being able to inspire that Asian American kid who's reading this article or who's watching online that can be, that can be like, oh my God, like this person looks just like me. And, you know, and I I really aspire to be this person or the fact that, you know, when my kids are reading this and he's getting bullied at school for his school lunch or whatever that may be, they can, they have a place where it's like, Hey, I'm not alone. You know, like, you know, this, this is the way that I can deal with it. This is the way that other people before me has dealt with it. And this is the way that I can deal with it. You know, that's how I measure ROI, you know, not just like from from a monetary perspective. The lack of investors also gives you a, a ton of authenticity, freedom to cover what you want and say what you want about anybody. Um, because with money, things get murky, right? You, you may be nudged to not pre- retract something you wrote that may be, you know, not good for a friend of, of the investor or the investor themselves or anything. I, I think your legacy is so big right now, whether you want to admit it or not, you're, you're as humble as they come, Betty, um, but in, in the millions, tens of millions, right? And, and, and that will grow. And we will never be able to quantify that. And I think that is awesome. It shouldn't be quantified. Um, even if next shark, uh, stopped writing one more article, the impact of the things that have already been put into the atmosphere in the, into the universe and in the, all the stuff that it's inspired, I think is, is super cool. Um, I myself have been inspired by what you guys have done and just the consistency year after year, day after day of just, you know, um, there, there are days where like your articles are the only ones that are on my Facebook feed because there's that much good stuff. And that is awesome. Right. And. Um, as as the growing community of uh, you know Asian American um, media, I don't know cohort or whatever, um, it's so cool because just grow the damn pie. We're never gonna go hungry if we grow the pie. There's no uh, cannibalism or you're doing something of what I'm doing. And you know I, I think you lead by example there, where you just you know we, we just gonna help everybody grow together. Um, so let, let's talk about the last two weeks. Um, Actually, before you call on, I kind of wanted to say something very, I think, I think that uh, you touch on a really, really good point before we move on to the next one is that, um, you know, I, 
you know, I think I've said this a little bit, but I don't know if I say it enough, is that I have a lot of respect for the people that came before me. And I don't care like how big they got or whoever it is, you know? And the fact of the matter is I, I'm here today because I was inspired by the people who came before me. And so people like, let's say, Angry Asian Man, to the, the family behind Corian, to the, to get, you know, to, you know, Eric Nakamura from, you know, Giant Robot, to Jeff Yang of A Magazine. I mean, you know, to Yoke Magazine. There's so many, you know, Hyphen Mag. I mean, there's so many, you know, Asian American media outlets that have been around before me and uh, and that have really paved the way for us. And so, you know, as, as much as like, the reason why like, you know, I, I think I get there's a lot of positivity and like, you know, what our team has built. But at the same time, I think that a lot of credit also has to go to the people, you know, that also inspire people like me to, to, to start this going. And so that's why, like, when you ask me, hey, what, what is the end? You know, what does the end look like for Next Shark? And I look at it as, look, you know, if this can be like, you know, Asian BET or something and we can grow, you know, Asian BET, Asian Disney down the line, like, you know. Sure. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. If this can do, if this can grow into that, amazing. That, that's great for me. And I'll do my best to, you know, continue like, you know, uh, continue benefiting uh, the community as much as I can. But it, honestly, like if this can, if this like somehow fizzles out, but it encourages, you know, the future generations mm -hmm. to do bigger, bigger and better than me, like that's literally all I can hope for. You know, the people, you know, our ancestors, the people that immigrate from the people that immigrated here to the Asian Americans before us that have, you know, fought for, you know, you know, our rights and our voice, uh, you know, through media or through activism, you know, you know, their sacrifices, you know, I don't want their sacrifice to be in vain, you know? And so I look at it as, you know, pay, I look at it as either I'm paying it forward or I build a big company and I don't see how I could feel like I lost in any way. It, it, look, I mean, you, you talk about legacy and impact. Um, it's already cemented, right? Like I remember there was, it's not a specific moment, but it was a time period a few years ago where I knew of Next Shark because you and I were friends and I've seen it grow. And so, you know, you would share Next Shark articles and, you know, it was like, oh, Benny's sharing his own business and he's self-promoting and that's cool. And the, the network started to grow. And there was a certain point where strangers or people that I knew that had no connection to you from different parts of my life or different parts of the country would share stuff. And I was like, holy shit, this is it. Like it's become a fabric of our topic of discussion. And, and so, yeah, you know, brands come and go, right? Like, you know, James at Coriam, he's had a pivot and now it's character media. Phil, you know, is, is doing, you know, podcasts and other different types of media with Jeff to tell different stories of different angles. The brand Angry Asian Man's still there, right? One of our pioneers. And um, it's, it's, you're right. It's we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. We don't know what you know. It's a very timely discussion. We don't know what the world is going to be like in two weeks. We certainly didn't know that the world would be like this two weeks ago. Um, so all we can do is continue to, you know, turn on the microphones, turn on the cameras, you know, bust out your notepad and just start writing, telling, sharing, and whatever comes of it comes of it. Right? Like it's and like you said, and and for me too. Um, I don't have an episode count or a view count or a listener count. I don't care about any of that, right? Like it's, but even after three weeks, I've gotten some really, really awesome, awesomely weird notes and, you know, people saying thanks. And, and so that's the fuel, right? Because um, you don't know who it's going to reach. And I just hope that a kid, little Jerry, little Benny right now listens to this and decides to say, mom, I love you, but I'm not going to go to med school and I'm going to do this, right? Like that's the empowerment. That's the inspiration because you, you think about like, you know, how many awesome things were never created 
because they're in a courtroom today or, you know, they're, they're doing something and then it's almost, you know, um, you're, you're, you're stuck that you're, you're pot committed to use a poker term and you've gone down that path. Um, so yeah, I, yeah. And, and I think, you know, when all this settles, it would be nice to just do even a, uh, you know, a montage of a look back of all the, the old school folks. And, you know, cause I, I think some of our younger friends don't know particularly the, the publications and the things that may not be around today and the impact that, you know, it's had, uh, cause digital media, 20 years old, very, very short. We can, you know, it's a finite number of people and, and brands that we can, we can go and chat with. Um, so Next Shark as a brand has done a lot as a media source has done a ton, um, particularly as it has, as it relates to the coronavirus epidemic, not only from a health perspective, um, but from a community building and resource perspective. So I, I want to talk to you about two specific projects or, you know, um, sub brands that you've started. Um, one was right before all this stuff happened and the other one was a reaction to what had happened. And so, um, let, let's start with uh, the Next Shark podcast, which is with May Lee, the May Lee Show. Um, she's a, a legend and an icon in the media space, um, you know, teaches at, uh, at USC and then has had her own show. And, um, and it was beautiful to have her the first few episodes, whether it was with uh, Ben Baller or uh, with Tony Ko, just hearing those American, Asian American stories that we don't really get to hear in the media. And then, boom, this stuff happens. And for a while, you treaded a little bit lightly, or May did, in reporting sort of, you know, the, the health angle of the news, and then the racism hit. Um, tell, tell us about that journey and the conversations that you've had with May and sort of shifting focus and, and doing what you thought needed to be done. Yeah, um, you know, I met May like maybe a, like I would say like a couple months ago, but it feels like we've known each other for a long time. And, you know, she expressed a lot of interest in, you know, having a podcast. Um, uh, and, um, you know, I looked at some of her work and I really liked her as a person and I really respected all the work that she did. And I also respected the fact that, you know, she's been in the journalistic space for a long time and she's covered, uh, she's interviewed like U.S. presidents, world leaders and, and everything. And, you know, just that the, the brevity of knowledge and experience that she had, I was just super, super impressed with. And, um, you know, we decided to partner up together and, you know, create a, um, uh, you know, the May Lee show. So, the, you know, podcast that uh, we, that, that we co-produced, you know, with Next Shark and with, you know, May's, uh, May's company, uh, Lotus Media House. And, um, you know, for the most part, even though I've been doing this for a while now, I've been in the media space for about like, you know, I think over 10 years now. Right. I mean, I'm still learning. I, I always say like, you know, I, I, I'm learning stuff from, you know, May every day that I work with her. I mean, I consider her kind of like my Nuna now pretty much. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because like we were, we had all these podcasts like, you know, set up and we had interviews already set up too, as I'm sure you did too, that, you know, that, that were not very coronavirus related, but then this thing just kept getting worse and worse. And, you know, and I felt this, this, even for myself, I felt this uneasiness with uh, some of the things that was happening. And I'm like, and, and uh, some of the content planning that we've had. And then May was the first one to really speak up and be like, hey, I really think we should, you know, talk more about this coronavirus situation. It seems like it's getting worse and worse. And, you know, May with her very, you know, she has very, very good journalistic instincts because, of, you know, you can't lose that for the amount of experience that she has. And, you know, I think that she was the one that really pushed for it. And she was the one that really helped validate that the, 
the, the feelings that I kind of had like deep down inside that, that was a little bit hard to kind of articulate. And as this was happening, you know, it was, um, how do you say it? Uh, it was just, we started getting so much more and more incidences, you know, relating to, you know, Asian Americans, uh, you know, getting attacked or dealing with racism or dealing with discrimination. And so things just started getting crazier and crazier. And I'm just like, yeah, I think we should definitely, you know, flip, you know, switch a little bit. Like we had to reschedule two interviews that we were planning like just last week. Cause we were like, it just didn't feel like right. And, you know, no offense to the people that we had to cancel on. Uh, but you know, I think that, um, you know, it, it, it was a few, and even the people that we canceled, they understood too. And they're like, sure. no, we totally get it. Right. And so it's definitely something that has been, that has really rattled our, our community. And, um, you know, we think that is really, really important, you know, for, you know, spaces like us and yours to cover it and to try to make sense of all of this madness that's happening. It's funny because I, I, I talk about this often with, with my friends. Um, you know, no, I did not plan to start this a week before this crap happened, right? Like, but I'm glad I did because the things were set up so that we could just change the file. It wasn't an entire setting up of something to then make it specifically about this thing. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm glad it's, to be completely frank, it's a little bit of a weird feeling, right? To then almost be in the moment of reporting things and not sharing stories, which was the original intent. Um, but as I talk to, as I'm sure you and they have as well, as you talk to peers and as you talk to listeners and friends, it's the best thing that we could do right now because, you know, we're not doctors, we're not nurses. Um, and so this is our way of helping people heal and to deal and make sense of all the stuff that's going on. Um, and, and so some obviously factual health related information, um, you know, you've had doctors on the show and just... I think those are super cool. Um, a, an unfortunate dark part of what um, we have to talk about is the, the crimes, the verbal attacks, the anti-Asian rhetoric, and even the physical assaults that we have unfortunately had to witness. Um, you know, some of us in person, some of us personally, and, and definitely through uh, media. And it, sucks it breaks our hearts um and and so as a reaction to that you created a new facebook group that went from i think i was like person number 200 or 300 and yesterday i checked it's like twelve thousand. um thousand now it's crazy <laughs> right yeah. but it's it, it speaks to the the relevance and and your you know your, your foresight to create a forum that was specifically a topic-driven one so that we could gather some of those voices. Um, talk us through the motivation to start that, what you hope to have achieved, and are those discussions the ones that are happening in that group, and how do you moderate that? That's hard. That's a, that's a good question. I mean, I think that this is what we think. We never, I never consider myself the voice of Asian Americans, and I don't want to be. I never considered Nick Shark as like, you know, our aim is to try to be the voice of Asian Americans. And we try to do that by, you know, offering a diverse group of voices. And, you know, and no matter of like your background or, you know, kind of where you came from, because we understand that Asians aren't, Asian Americans aren't monolithic, right? And I think that the reason why it was started was it was about a year ago, and we just felt that it might be an interesting space to have people report on alleged incidences against Asian Americans because, like, you know, the, the belief was that, you know, um, crimes against Asian Americans are some of the most underreported in mainstream media. And so we decided to start that just to, you know, 
kind of segment our audience a little bit because there's people that are interested in specific aspects of you know our publication and what we do uh, and you just kind of wanted like a space for people to kind of just like share their stories and for us to kind of like look at certain things if there's like a serious like incident that's something that we should look at or maybe investigate then uh, then that's something that we wanted to look into but it didn't really blow up until like maybe uh maybe about a week and a half ago. Yeah. Uh, I know that uh, it was Andrew Chow from the Boba Guys, uh, you know, one of a uh, really good guy, uh, I consider him a friend too, and he kind of gave us a shout out when he was addressing Congress, uh, you know, when, uh, uh, you know, two weeks ago, right? And uh, I think that that really helped uh, light a fire in uh, the group. And then uh, we started pushing it out a little bit more too through a social channel saying, hey, like this is here. And, um, and next thing you know, like, you know, I think we got like, I think we passed like over a thousand uh, members overnight and yeah. uh, people started submitting, you know, their own experiences, discussing certain things. And, um, and uh, you know, we didn't really have like a specific, a specific plan. I think that, you know, for us, uh, it was very relatively organic because, you know, for us, like I only make up uh, a certain demographic of Asian Americans. Right. And I think that a lot of it was also education too, to kind of see like, you know, how is our community feeling? I mean, you know, uh, to kind of just get those perspectives like into it. Um, obviously monitoring the group has been very, very difficult because like, you know, uh, I think that, I think that it's, it shows like how fragmented our community is. I think it shows like, you know, how many, how divided our community is here. And so it's a good and bad thing, right? It's obviously a bad thing because of, you know, seeing, not really seeing a community kind of coming together, but it's also a good thing because it shows like, you know, how much further we need to go. And it really kind of like, you know, visualizes everything for us where, Hey, like, you know, maybe we need to like, uh, uh, find a better way to get people to kind of come together. Um, and again, I mean, we're a very, very small team. I mean, a lot of these, a lot of, a lot of the moderators, like they're, they're pulling like double duty. I mean, they're, they're journalists are invest they're, they're investigating on stories, trying to get stories out in a timely manner and to verify them. They're doing interviews. They are, you know, uh, they're drafting articles. They are transcribing interviews and stuff. And all in all, they have to spend the little amount of time that they can to try to moderate something. And so our approach right now is like, look, you know, we, we're, we're trying to, we tell people, Hey, um, we're a very small team here. I mean, we don't know like what is the, we don't exactly know what is the right direction to put us. All we know is we're putting you guys here together. And I don't think that it's difficult to be kind to one another, to try to figure it out together as you kind of go along, as opposed to just fighting and bickering around with each other. I don't think that the responsibility should completely rest on our shoulders. We think that, you know, the community is big enough, right? The community is big enough to where I think that there are some level-headed people that could kind of rise up and be like, hey, we got to like, this isn't right. We have to figure out how to unify. This is the right direction to kind of unify. And we've, we, we've provided a platform to hopefully help each and every one of us try to figure it out without trying to rip each other's head off, heads off and, you know, and, and, and kill each other, you know? It's, it's fascinating because once you, you can't have a normal conversation in a room full of 10 plus thousand people. That's just not possible. And particularly when uh, the wound is fresh and it keeps getting re-ripped every day. Um, you know, I speak for myself, um, being more of a, um, my, my political and my humanity views are, are one way, which, which I believe that most in our demographic agree with. Um, it tends to be a little bit challenging to have what I would consider civil discussions with some other people who, who do not. Um, you know, potentially, or perhaps I get a little bit emotional and I say stuff and it's just not a very productive discussion. Um, you know, I, I remember in the early, early days, like two weeks ago, um, right when I joined the group, there was a post that um, immediately turned to bashing on other groups. And, and so, you know, I posted like, guys, like, this is not, this is not why we're here, right? Like, let's just agree that this is a 
positive group that we're going to try to come up with solutions. And if there are people who need to be called out, let's do so with, with the right manner. But I, I, I don't, for one, want to be a part of a group where this becomes anti anybody else, um, because that sort of defeats the purpose of defending ourselves or, or coming together. Um, you know, I, it's, I, I am so glad that there is a group. I cannot imagine the amount of stress and challenges that your team goes through. Um, you know, you, you've expressed those frustrations uh, privately and publicly over the last week or so in just terms of asking for patience almost um, from the reader base and from the audience base because there's just a lot of stuff. And so, um, yeah, I'll make that plea again if you're listening and, you know, realize that it's Benny and a handful of people who are also dealing with the new realities themselves of working from home. It's a new thing. It's hard to focus. Um, it's hard when your work is off of a phone or a laptop to disconnect. It's almost you open your eyes and you're on your phone and then you pass out because you're exhausted. Um, they're doing work that you and I don't want to do. You and I can't do. You and I maybe will choose not to because of the sensitivity of some of the photos and stories that you have to hear. Um, you know, it's, it's challenging and, and we are ever so grateful um, to you and your team for, um, by design or by accident, um, you, you've become sort of the um, investigative body or the, the bullhorn, the megaphone that is amplifying these voices. Um, you know, it's, it's particularly, I, I think about the incident up in San Francisco, maybe 10 days ago, about the gentleman who was collecting bottles and he was videotaped just getting verbally and physically abused. Um, you guys played a critical role in getting the police department to do something. And, and I genuinely believe that without your intervention and without getting the community to write letters and to make phone calls, um, large in part to, to your activism, um, that nothing would have happened there because so many times nothing does happen. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, I, I can't take all the credit for it. I think that, you know, there's, there was a lot of community pages that have, you know, kind of flagged it. You know, my, my friend Ty Tran over at Asians Never Die, they have a community page too, really focused on comedy and sharing like really cool memes. It's one of my favorite pages to follow. And, uh, you know, we partnered up on projects together in the past. And, you know, because of community pages like that, that have really helped rally people. I mean, again, like this is a group effort. So yeah. I don't, so I think that, you know, it's not just Next Shark. I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of people, like just not just like the people that work for us. Like we do have a lot of supporters and it, it is because of these community pages that have been so supportive of us and trying to offer as much info as possible for us. Yeah. Like it really helps in our investigation and it helps, uh, you know, to, to add some clarity to, you know, whatever we're trying to say when we do make official statement requests to like the police station and try yeah. to connect with them and, you know, making and bringing these people together. And so, um, you know, that's why, again, it's hard. It's hard for me to take all the credit for it and, and for our staff to take all the credit for it. Because again, I mean, the community makes a big part in, you know, in our existence and, you know, and, you know, relating back to, you know, patience, you know, yeah, I, I hope that the community is patience because I know that there's a lot of frustrations. And I also want one point that I want to lay out is many, many, many of our, writers and journalists, um, they could be making a lot more money doing other things. I mean, you know, the Asian, even though like we're the largest and we reach millions upon millions, sometimes tens of million people a week, um, you know, the, 
our, our industry is still at, at its infancy. I mean, there isn't that much like, you know, advertising opportunities available for, you know, our demographic, even though, you know, we're, we're really, really big. And so, you know, we're not, we're, we're not like sitting here, like rolling in cash and, you know, you know we're, we're, you know, there, there's a lot, if we wanted to make money, there's a lot of other things we could be doing to, to make money, believe me. And, you know, and trust me, it's, uh, you know, there's, as an entrepreneur where I deal with, when I, where I work with a lot of other entrepreneurs and a lot of successful people, I mean, I, I can't count the amount of times that, you know, people sit me down and they're like, Hey, Benny, like you're so, you're so smart, talented. You have so many networks. Why are you wasting your time in the Asian American community? Like no one, no one cares about it. It's not big enough. You could be making so much more money, you know, doing this and that. And, you know, but I think for me, um, uh, I, I look at it as, um, uh, you know, I think someone once told me uh, when they transitioned to the creative space, they said something like, hey, this is the least amount of money that I've made, but this is the most fulfilling that I've been. And I think that that's so that resonates with me so deeply at this point in time. And um, and yeah, I'm just going to I'm just going to keep going as, as much as I, as long as I, I can keep going and uh, we'll see what happens. It's true. Um, there are different ways to make money. Um, people ask me all the time, most recently, um, and it's true. But I, I think for me, very similar to the, the thoughts that you shared, it's I, I talk to students in college now who are, you know, 15 to 20 years after me and the discussions that they have in terms of career choice, identity, happiness, family are generally the same that my friends and I had 15 to 20 years ago. And, and so we look at how our community has changed and a lot has changed, but the same community social family pressures that they feel to go down a very specific narrow defined path still exist. And I am genuinely concerned that if people like you and people like me don't step in to create dialogue around these topics, that my kids who are three and one now are still going to have some of those challenges in 15, 20 years when they're adolescents and, you know, entering adulthood. So um, it is almost a, an, an honor to, to carry the torch for the time being to amplify our stories. And, um, I get so many responses of nobody's ever asked me to tell my story. So even just that, you know, telling a friend that their story matters because it does matter. And there's some guy, some girl out there who's going to listen to her story and go, Holy crap. I thought I was alone. So, um, man, I, I, you know, we, we can probably, you, you and I can probably do like a, you know, one of those Andrew Yang signature 10 hour town halls and just, take questions and talk about all the fun things. Um, and, and I do really appreciate you for your time. Um, Benny, I want to end the show in, in the same way that we end all of our shows here at Dear Asian Americans, um, which is to go back to the title of the show and, you know, express ourselves to the community in the form of a letter to us, for us, from us, um, in whatever way, shape or form you feel it is appropriate and, and would be impactful. So um, I will start us off and uh, help us finish out the show. Dear Asian Americans. Huh. I know that there's a lot of fear, uncertainty uh, happening around our community right now. And uh, people have no idea uh, you know, where it all ends from here. And uh, I think people are you know, uh, not sure of uh, what to do. And they fear for themselves and their family and everything. And all I got to say is um, I think that we'll be fine. And the reason why I think we'll be fine is uh, at some point in time, our ancestors, you know, came here, you know, dealing with those same uncertainties, you know, and a majority of their lives was living in uncertainty, whether it's from like a war torn country or whether it's, uh, you know, certain challenges escaping from something, you know, to, to come here. 
And when they come here, when they came here, they also faced, you know, another big set of challenges, not just survival, but dealing with, you know, racist incidences that was much harder to get the word out at the time, but they survived and they made their mark, you know, on this country and they made it their home. And I think that if they can get through that and, you know, build, you know, such an incredible community and the fact that you and I are sitting here today and, you know, we're, we're comfortable, you know, I don't see how we can't get through this. I really can't. And so I always look at, you know, history and what has happened. And I, I just, I, I think that we'll be fine, you know, and we're all here. We're all here together and we're all going to get through it. Thanks for that. I, I think that perspective is so important. Earlier you shared um, a very personal story about your mother and how she escaped China to, to end up here eventually. Um, for, for you, it, it's one generation back where you have to literally just talk to your mom about like, holy crap, the odds and the things that you suffered for me to exist and for us to have the privilege to even have this conversation today is an effectively 0% chance. You know, um, you know, my grandparents grew up in occupation and had to deal with war, lost siblings. So who, what the heck gives us even the ounce of right to complain about being stuck at home for two weeks or having to make, you know, privileged sacrifices. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think given in the context, of course, you know, we have to look at it from the context of this is a life they work so hard to provide. Therefore, is this not the new baseline from which we should, you know, measure our comfort or sacrifice? Sure, I get all that. But in, in the grand scheme of things, you know, um, people got punched, people got spat on, people got attacked. Not the first time. We just live in a time where everybody has a cell phone and we have people like you and other people to amplify those stories. So, you know, it, it is important. Hope it, I really, really hope it dies down. Um, you know, it, it doesn't help, obviously, um, things that we hear in media. But, uh, Benny, thank you so much uh, for, for your time, your perspective, your work. If, if there's a team member who needs an extra bottle of beer today, I'm happy to send it. If there is a uh, post-coronavirus celebration that we can we can uh, crowdfund and crowd raise for uh, the team at Next Shark for all the wonderful work that you guys do, um, I, I'd be the first to kick in. And I'm sure there's thousands of other people who will. Um, I know it may be challenging with all the weird emails that you're getting about you're not doing enough or you're doing, you know, different work, but know that there's 99% of us who really do genuinely appreciate what all that you do. And, um, you know, from, from a, a personal friend who has been and continues to be inspired by the work you do that has ultimately resulted in me having this podcast. Thank you from the bottom of my heart and, uh, let's keep doing good work, brother. Yeah. Thank you for, so much for having me on, man. And your work is extremely, extremely important. And I think paramount to having us uh, move forward. So uh, thank you again. And I, I hope you keep going. Hope you keep going, brother. Got no choice. It's for the kids, man. See you next time, Benny. Take care. Thank you. Hey, guys. That was an amazing conversation. And I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Benny is an amazing person, a great business leader. But more importantly, and most importantly, uh, just a really humble human being. I think if you talk to a lot of other folks in the media game, in the Asian American community, he's always helpful, always willing to do something to help us all grow the pie. So much thanks to Benny and the team at Next Shark for what they're doing. Check out the May Lee Show if you haven't. Uh, put it as a part of your listening repertoire on your podcast and, and watch it on YouTube as well. If you enjoyed my conversation with Benny, I'd really appreciate you doing that for me. Uh, we want to get this podcast out to as many people as possible. 
And I am so grateful for each listener who shares the episodes and the show with a friend or two. Check us out on the website at theyearasianamericans.com or on Instagram and Facebook at theyearasianamericans. If you want to come on the show, if you have ideas for us to improve the show, or just want to chat with me, you can find me on Instagram at jerryj1, or just DM me at theyearasianamericans, and we'll get started. Thanks again so much for listening. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying safe. Thank you to all of our frontline healthcare workers, the grocery store clerks, the government folks, the first responders, everybody who is showing up to work right now. And if you have a moment after you listen to this podcast, take a few minutes to text or message somebody in your life who is still going to work. Dear Asian Americans, let's be there for each other. Let's take care of each other. And I'll see you on the next show. Thank you.